If you would, remain standing for the reading of God's Word. Join me in Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, we will be discussing Beatitude number 5 this morning. And for context, I will read verses 1 through 12. Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And when he had sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you, and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Praise God for his holy word. Please be seated. So by way of reminder, the overall context of the Gospel of Matthew is that he is a Jew writing to his fellow Jews, instructing them that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. The context of this sermon is that Jesus has already begun his earthly ministry. He has uttered the words, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and he has called the disciples to himself. Jesus began teaching in the synagogues healing diseases, his fame was spreading across the land, and the result was that great crowds were following him. Matthew 5, verses 1 and 2, seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he had sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth, and he taught them. As his fame was spreading and crowds were following, Jesus sat on a mountain, his disciples came to him, And he opened his mouth to teach them. You know, the Word of God calls us to do that very same thing today. To come before the Lord to listen to what he has breathed out. The same words that Jesus spoke on that mountain 2,000 years ago are the exact same words that we have before us. That we are to clothe ourselves with meekness. To be hungry and thirsty for him. These eight Beatitudes that we are studying, they reveal to us the heart of Jesus Christ. And in so doing, the character in which we as God's children are to image on this earth as we seek to please Him. This sermon that Jesus preached was not about what we do, but who we are as Christians. Martin Lowe-Jones declared, a Christian is something before he does anything. And we have to be a Christian before we can act as Christians. The old story goes that the first church I served on staff at, I still remember a deacon cornering me in the fellowship hall, and he was crazy upset. The youth group had grown from 3 to 30 in little under a year. And a bunch of the children that were coming to the youth group, 
They were Goths. They were all black. Their parents were not in attendance. And the deacon was upset, saying, we cannot have people coming into this church dressed like this, looking like this. This is not acceptable. And I said, God has to change a person's heart before he can change their clothes. And I said, we as God's people need to be mindful that these people are here to learn about the Lord and their parents don't care if they know the Lord. You know, our new nature as a Christian is what produces these beatitudes. It's not our strength. It's not our will. Jesus is teaching his disciples who they are on the inside. He's not speaking about the outward and the visible, but the inward, the new heart, the new birth, the inward man. He is teaching his disciples who they are on the inside. Many look clean on the outside. That was very prevalent in Jesus' day. It's very prevalent today. They have the appearance of being spiritually alive, but inward they are spiritually dead. Jesus is discussing the inward man, the heart of his true children. That our new life in Christ produces fruit that pleases God. And that fruit is his own character. It's what God is doing in his children. That Christians will put forward the character of Christ in this life because God is seeing to it. God is working it in his children. Christians will also love and follow the commands of God for the glory of God. Not to be accepted, but because they want to please the Lord. That we have a responsibility to remain steadfast, to hold fast our confession, and spiritually grow up mature as the children of God, continuing past the elementary doctrine of Christ. The Christian character that Jesus discusses in the sermon begins on the inside and it moves outward. The inward and vertical, followed by the outward and horizontal. These eight Beatitudes, they are progressive. They build on one another. One leads to two, and two leads to three, and so on. Number one, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The spiritually bankrupt, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are those who mourn their sin and the results of sin, for God will provide comfort for them. Blessed are the meek or humble, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. The first four Beatitudes, they show us an inward result of God's saving grace. These last four Beatitudes, the fifth one that we begin today, it reveals the outward results of the Spirit of God at work in the children of God. So today's fifth beatitude moves forward like this. James Montgomery Boyce said, The remaining beatitudes reveal the transformed character of the one who now has been touched by Christ's Spirit and is being progressively remade in Christ's image. Some have worded this way, The first four lead to the last four. So if you look at the first beatitude, the poor in spirit, that's number one. The poor in spirit acknowledge their need for mercy and show mercy to others. That's number five. Those who mourn over their sin, number two, they are pure in heart, number six. The meek, number three, they are peacemakers. That's number seven. 
Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, number four, they're okay with being persecuted for the sake of righteousness, number eight. The first four Beatitudes, they show us an inner result of God's saving grace. These last four Beatitudes show the outward fruit of the Spirit of God at work in God's children. Matthew 5, verse 7, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. This morning we will divide our time into four main areas. Area 1, mercy defined. Area 2, mercy extended. Area 3, mercy reflected. And area 4, mercy denied. So let's begin with number 1, mercy defined. Now for us to understand this verse, we must logically understand what mercy actually is. Often the words grace and mercy are used and singing and teaching so much so that we mistakenly treat them as the same word, but they are different words with different meanings. Grace. Grace focuses on getting what we don't deserve as God's children. The unearned favor of God. The fact that we don't deserve salvation, we don't deserve to be in a right relationship with God. Grace is associated with men and their sins. Mercy Mercy focuses on not getting what we do deserve. God's decision to not pour out His wrath on all. God's mercy or compassion. The truth that we deserve as sinners to be punished by God for falling short and not imaging Him. That we deserve death, torment, and hell for sinning against a holy, righteous, just God. Mercy is the eliminating of punishment. It is pardon, relief, compassion, and forgiveness. While grace is associated with men and their sins, mercy is associated with men in their misery. Martin Lowe-Jones said it this way, Grace looks down upon sin as a whole. Mercy looks especially upon the miserable consequences of sin. A sense of pity plus a desire to relieve the suffering. Pity plus action. James Boyce says, mercy is grace in action. Mercy is loving. It's love reaching out to help those who are helpless and who need salvation. Mercy identifies with the miserable in their misery. Mercy is a holy God not giving us what we rightly deserve. We never want to come before God saying, Lord, would you give us what we deserve? We deserve the righteous and just wrath of God. We deserve to be punished in hell forever. The specific word for mercy in the Greek is elihamona, and used in Matthew 5-7 is only used two, one other time in the New Testament, and that is found in Hebrews 2, verse 17. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, referring to Christ, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. The more common word used for mercy is elios, which means compassion, a desire to help and to give good will towards the miserable and the afflicted. For example, in Matthew 9, verse 13, we find this word used here. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. 
In Ephesians 2, 4 through 7, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love in which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. So mercy is the eliminating of punishment. It is pardon. It is relief. It is compassion. It is forgiveness. Mercy focuses our attention on not getting what we do deserve. So now that we have mercy defined, let us move to area two, mercy extended. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. The greatest act of mercy that we can know The greatest act of mercy in the Holy Scriptures is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, coming to this earth to save sinners. The mercy of God flows from the love of God. John 3.16, you know it. For God so loved the world that He gave His one only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Galatians 4, 4 and 5. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of the woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. 1 John 4. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into this world so that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He has loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Romans 8, He did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all. How will He not also with graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Jesus Christ is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. And then if we go back to Matthew chapter 1, which we've already read and discussed, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. The greatest act of mercy is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, coming to this earth to save sinners. Looking again in Ephesians 2, it says, but God being rich in mercy. It's not that God lacks mercy. He is rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. And this is what is so mind-blowing that you could focus the rest of your life looking into and studying and diving into is that God's richness in mercy with the great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses. He made us alive together with Christ. 
By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him, seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so in the coming ages he might show his immeasurable riches in grace and kindness toward us in Christ. So God's compassion upon the sinner, God's sending his son to save the spiritually dead. Even in Exodus 24, Yahweh, Yahweh, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. The mercy of God is only possible because of Jesus Christ. The mercy has been extended by God the Father and the sending of God the Son to this earth to save sinners. Without the mercy of God, there is no salvation. Mankind, if left alone, is helpless without the mercy of God. We are pitiful, miserable sinners without the Lord in need of mercy. We have looked at mercy defined. We have looked at mercy extended. Now let's focus on number three, mercy reflected. Look again at Matthew 5, verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. God's children are those who are blessed, and they will be merciful. Those who have tasted God's righteousness understand the mercy that they have been shown, and they will show mercy to others. An individual who says, man, I've received the mercy of God, therefore I don't have to have mercy with others. You need to stop and back up and question, have I really received the mercy of God? Because God's children are merciful. They will extend compassion to others. They will be merciful. Let's look at a text that paints this perfectly for us. Look at Matthew 18. Skips forward just a few pages into Matthew chapter 18, beginning in verse 21. It's the parable of the unforgiving servant. It's an example of mercy extended and mercy not reflected. Matthew 18, beginning in verse 21. And Peter came up to him and said, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 70 times seven. If you're a math teacher, please do not stop and do the multiplication. That's not the purpose of what he just said. Like he is teaching us at this point. He said, Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 70 times seven. He's saying, don't Count, keep extending. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle the accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me, I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave his debt. But when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he could pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then the master summoned him and said this to him, 
And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he could pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. You see, mercy is something that happens inward first before it comes outward. When God's children have tasted the mercy of God, knowing their spiritual bankruptcy before the Lord, grasping the greatness of the God who saved them, the fact that they were wretched, they were poor, they were miserable, they're not only thankful to God for the mercy of God, but they themselves are extenders of mercy. Receivers of mercy are givers of mercy. Receivers of mercy are givers of mercy. Receivers of mercy will treat other sinners with mercy. Receivers of mercy will treat other sinners with mercy. Deuteronomy 15, If among you one of your brothers should become poor in any of your towns within your land that Yahweh your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart or shut your hand against your poor brother, but you shall open your hand to him and lend him sufficient for his need, whatever it may be. You know, being merciful has always been something that God's children are to be. Our God is a God of mercy, and so are his children. James 1, verse 27 Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphan and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Visiting orphans and widows in their suffering and their affliction, this is mercy. Another example is the parable of the Good Samaritan. In the parable of the Good Samaritan, mercy was extended to the one dying on the side of the road. Two people before him walked by, They completely ignored it. One even changed sides and just kept going. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, he came to where he was. When he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he sat on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. You know, in the parable of the Good Samaritan, you have mercy being extended, and then you have payment being given so that he would get fully better. So you have You have mercy, and then you have grace, both in the same parable. You have mercy that has come forward. I have mercy on you that I'm going to care for you fully. I'm going to pay for it myself and take care of it. You have mercy followed by grace. Matthew chapter 25, I was hungry, you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, you welcomed me. I was naked, you clothed me. I was sick, you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Feeding the hungry and the thirsty for Jesus Christ. Welcoming others for the sake of Christ. Clothing others for Christ. Not to be seen, but to doing it for the sake of the glory of God. Visiting the sick in the name of Jesus. Going to those in prison in the name of Jesus. This is mercy of God being extended. Beatitude number one, the poor in spirit. They acknowledge their need of mercy. And, beatitude number five, they show mercy to others. That receivers of mercy extend mercy to others. Receivers of mercy care for those who have not received mercy. Receivers of mercy are concerned for the lost because they want them to have mercy. They help, they give, they clothe, they feed, they visit, they welcome, they serve in the name of Christ for the glory of Christ. 
Daniel Dornai said this, as a result of being poor in spirit, we learn to be tender. We learn to be empathetic. We learn to be patient and compassionate with the failing of others. Because we have received mercy, we extend mercy to others. Those who grasp truly what Christ has done, those who understand mercy, they extend mercy. They don't sit back and they don't utter to themselves, ah, that person, they are getting what they deserve because they know what they themselves deserve. They're not so focused on, look, they are getting exactly what they deserve because they remember, they look at the other person in great need and they say, that was me. I was the person in great need. I was the person who needs that mercy. Lord, may I just extend mercy to them and may they, by your grace, receive salvation. Those who have tasted God's righteousness understand the mercy that they have been shown and they will show and extend mercy to others. Matthew 9 verse 36 shows us this. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. We should have those same eyes of mercy when looking out upon the culture in which we live. That those who have tasted God's righteousness understand the mercy that they have been shown and they will show mercy to others. It's mercy reflected. So we have mercy defined, mercy extended, mercy reflected, and finally, mercy denied. Look again at Matthew 5, verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Mercy is a characteristic of God as well as the children of God. If a person has not repented of their sins, if a person has not trusted in Christ, in Christ alone for their salvation, they will not receive mercy. Matthew 6, 14 and 15, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive others your trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Luke 1, verse 50, And His mercy is for those who fear Him from generation to generation. Well, you're like, well, how, how does that connect? If you don't fear God, why would you be merciful to others? James 2, verses 12 and 13. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty, for judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Those who do not forgive others, those who do not fear God, will not taste the mercy of God. They will fully drink the wrath of God. Augustine painted an excellent picture of mercy. He said, you hear the voice of a beggar, but before God, you are yourself a beggar. Someone is begging from you while you yourself are begging. As you treat your beggar, so will God treat his beggar. You who are empty are being filled. Out of your fullness, Fill an empty person in need so that your own emptiness may be again filled by the fullness of God. Mercy has been extended in, sending, in the sending of Christ to this earth to save wretched, poor, miserable sinners. The poor in spirit, they not only acknowledge their need of mercy, they show mercy to others. 
Those who live without mercy, they are self-righteous, self-promoting, not extending compassion to those around them, and they will be denied mercy not by men. They will be denied mercy by the God who made them. Mercy is denied to those who are without compassion. I read these verses earlier from Matthew 25, but I think they're fitting for us this morning as we close and think about our minds and how we are living this life. Jesus paints this picture in Matthew 25 of the final judgment. He says, Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me. You cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, you did not welcome me. I was naked, you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick and in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Some people ask the very good question in Matthew 25, when Jesus is talking about the judgment and the final judgment when he comes again, why is he speaking about what his children did do and his children did not do? Why is he not talking about grace at this point in time? Because God's children who have received mercy, they will extend mercy. The Holy Spirit who seals his children, they will be fruitful and they will multiply that fruit to the glory of God. When he is saying these things, if you have received, if you begin to understand the longer and longer you walk with Christ, you understand more and more of what you have received from Christ. And when we understand that, that causes us as a child of God, by the grace of God, to be extensions and extending mercy to others. Because this life is not about you, is it? This life is not about me. What's our chief end of man? To glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. The first and greatest of all beings is God. The one who has made you is God, and you were made to image God. Our God is a God of mercy, and we are to image, reflect that mercy in the life that we live. I'll never forget a pastor that really poured into me a whole lot. We were talking sports, and I don't watch that much sports, but my favorite sport was baseball, watching Amy's brother play growing up. And uh, he said, do you know how to realize how mature and righteous a person is? Go to a baseball field, call them out when they're safe, and see how they respond. The individual who is full of mercy, they'll just walk back to the dugout. They'll be okay. It's the whole point that when you realize everything that Christ has done, what Christ has extended, that you respond by extending that same mercy to other people 
for the glory of God. Because even in you being extenders of mercy, the Lord can use that to further his kingdom. The Lord can use that for an individual to actually ask you, what makes you like this? And people can look at you and you can talk to them about Christ has done it all. Christ has extended mercy. Let me tell you about him. God's children, it's not that you might extend mercy. God's children extend mercy because they were made in his image. He has redeemed them by the blood of his son and he has caused them to image him in this world. I hope this week, because of God's word, you would think more about mercy, that you would ask yourself, am I merciful? Am I merciful or do I come before a person, my spouse, my good friends, my coworkers, and do I say, no, I want them to rightly get what they deserve. Oh, I want to rip into them. Do you extend help to other sinners in need? Many of us, we may not think about extending mercy. That's a problem in and of itself. We should think about being merciful to other people. As you come before God as a beggar yourself, receiving comfort, receiving satisfaction, contentment, do you have mercy on the other beggars that are around you? I mean, didn't Jesus say you will, they will know that you are Christians by the love that you have for one another? A big aspect of that love flowing out of that love is mercy. On the day of final judgment, will you receive mercy? Have you come to Christ? Have you experienced being poor in spirit before a holy God? I did not ask if you've been baptized. I didn't ask if you've attended church service. I didn't ask if you've gone on a mission trip. I said, have you come to Christ and trusted in Christ and Christ alone for your salvation? Have you experienced being poor in spirit before a holy God, coming before the Lord saying, I have nothing to give you. I have nothing to offer. I have nothing in which I come. I bring my hands. They are empty. I just am begging, Lord, that you would have pity on me and save me, a helpless sinner. Because mercy will not be given to all. But God's children, they are merciful because they have been transformed by Christ, and mercy will spring forth and show itself to the world, and God will receive the glory. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Father, I thank you for your holy word this morning. Father, forgive me if I have failed to divide it correctly, if, if I have said something that is wrong. Please erase that from my memory and erase it from the memory of those who have heard. Father, we we come to you as beggars saying, Lord, help us to be merciful for your name and for your glory. Conform us more into vessels of mercy for the sake of your glory that we would image you in your perfect character more in this world. For the sake of this world not being so much about us, but for the sake of us being in this world, making our life about you. This world needs you. It does not need us. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. The name is above all names. Amen.